Welcome to the Bring Your Lunch Pail Sports Podcast. Presented by Luke's Pizzas. So don't do that for A. Thank you for the advice. Featuring Lucas Clark and Nigel Romaine. Tell me more about these lizard overlords. Now introducing your host, Tanner Retz. Alright, welcome to episode 12. This is the Big 12 episode. See what I did there? Whoa. Whoa. This is sponsored by Luke's Pizza. Get yourself a pie and don't forget to tip, bozo. Nigel's back in the building. Nigel, welcome. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm sure you really missed me with Shane's poor takes over the last few weeks. <laughs> and that you had to listen to Luke quite a bit. Yammer on about uh, Kelnick. We still love him and he's still the number one player in our hearts. <laughs> Alright, thank you, Nigel. Uh, Mariners currently hot right now. They're one and a half out of the wild card as we speak. They are on a seven-game winning streak and won uh, nine of their last ten. And then we're looking at the Seahawks as well. They're uh, currently going uh, preseason game number one right now is underway. But we're going to go ahead and focus on the collapse of the Pac-12 today. We'll make sure to save the uh, next episode uh, to get more in-depth with the Mariners and Seahawks and probably a little bit more Huskies. But let's focus on the Pac-12. So how did we get here? We have a 108-year-old conference that was um, has just suddenly just fell apart. The Huskies, as we all know, are now part of the Big Ten. Uh, alongside with them, uh, Oregon, UCLA, and uh, USC have made the jump as well. And then on the other side of it, we have Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado in the Big 12. So how did we get here? Well, here's a quick little breakdown that I've come up with, and Luke and Nigel is going to fill in the holes for you guys. So basically, this all started off with a overpaid commissioner by the name of Larry Scott. Uh, we went down the road of a bad, bad, in quotes, we'll see what the boys have to say about that, uh, TV deal, which led to late night windows with ESPN, which would be considered a little bit less uh, or reduced exposure uh, for the programs. Basically, this led into ESPN and the Pac-12 trying to find a middle ground of having a TV deal together. Came down to nothing, and so basically, they were the Pac-12 was left without a TV deal. A new commissioner came in with no real experience in college football and had very little sources going into it, and basically, this led to USC and UCLA leaving for the Big Ten. Now we're looking at the Pac-12 has now become the Pac-4, so, boys, as I said, how did we get here? Yeah, so I think, I think the first, the first thing that happens here, and this goes honestly back to when Colorado and Utah joined the Pac-12, and as you mentioned, Larry Scott is the commissioner, and I'm gonna jump ahead a little bit. As like I said, I had posted this the other day. Freezing cold takes. They had Bleacher Report had an article back in 2013 where Larry Scott, highest paid commissioner in all of college athletics, and how it was the best money ever spent, and it was well-deserved for a bunch of different reasons. And one of the reasons that they at least are trying to argue in this was the creation of the Pac-12 network. And I think at the time, it was considered pretty visionary and was going to be something that was going to propel this conference forward 
Now we can fast forward now and say that that ended up being a colossal failure, and Nigel and I can chop this up more uh, as we go. But you know, kind of the tagline of it is here we are in 2023, and as far as I know, the Pac-12 network is still not carried by Directv. They never figured out how to widely distribute this channel. And honestly, as a consumer of it, they do a really poor job just producing it. There's plenty of times I'm watching it, and it's like there's a live Pac-12 sporting event going on, and they're playing a replay of UW softball from 2012. Stuff like that. Yep. But to go further down the rabbit hole with this is just that the idea, I think, at the time... And I think it has merit because it really harkens to what I honestly think is at the core of this entire conversation. This would be my slight thesis point on all of it, is that the, this move to the Big Ten is kind of cutting the fabric of traditional football lineage, what everyone knows, knows and loves about college football. And their idea, from how I've kind of gathered it through the years you're going to create this pac-12 network it was going to be more like the model of baseball it's regional it's very much like we are going to cater to the people that live in our regions and that was what was great about college football back in the 90s and the 80s like there was no playoffs this is even pre-bcs era where they picked the one and two the national champion was just whoever they voted the writers voted was number one and it was very regionally based. And that is what a lot of the old heads love about traditional college football. Is that it was much more like, as we've talked about before, what baseball looks like these days. Right? Yeah. It's very regional. And it caters to these regions. And ideally showcases it. And the Pac-12 network was going to do that. Except they didn't they didn't distribute it anywhere. Well, yes. And so at the end of the day, you're you're stuck with this Pac-12 network that since then has now is only shown regionally. Like you said, there's no you can't watch a UW game on Pac-12 Washington. Like you can't watch a WSU game on Pac-12 Washington. Uh, instead you you've got old softball games going on. And so you instead you've kind of dug your heels into this old school college football mentality where it's only regional and there's no distribution. SEC is getting shown on ESPN all over the country every single weekend. Big Ten's getting shown on Fox all over the country every single weekend. Primetime games. And Pac-12 is struggling to survive playing <laughs> playing games on the Pac-12 network that hard to hard to get, hard to find. And you can't even get them on, you know, half the state is on dish. And you can't even get, can't even get the games, like you said. Yeah, and so... Like, following on that is that on the flip side of it, like I said, Pac-12 was at the forefront of this, creating their own network that was going to be the hub for all of their sports. It's a great idea. Problem is, is that SEC in particular, they just piggybacked off of that, but they did it with with ESPN. SEC network is run by ESPN. And then, you know, there's always this talk of, east coast bias and there's truth to it but at the end of the day it's like they signed their sec network contract with espn espn has an obligation to make money for people that are a part of them and the sec network is a part of it so it's like hell yeah when we run sports center 
we're going to promote our own product. And so it was a great idea when it was conceived. Poor execution, poor distribution, like you said. And ultimately, that was the first domino that fell. Yeah. Branding goes out the window because, you know, at that time, is it like, you know, this is right. This is basically right when Pete Carroll was about to leave the uh, the Pac-10 slash Pac-12. But there's there's real truth to the fact, though, is that even then, USC was still one of these power brands. Oregon was a rising power brand with Nike's money. And somehow with all of this, they completely fell on their, the Pac-12, not those schools, completely fell on their face in their ability to market themselves as the Conference of Champions, yeah. which is their tagline. But like, they completely failed to do that. Now, we can break down this aspect of it more as we go along. There, There is some trade-off is that the Pac-12 has always been a conference that values football all the way down to their water polo team. Yeah. Or teams. So, and ultimately that kind of ends up being your Achilles heel. They're also much more academically based. Like, SEC had no problem selling their soul to the devil and saying like there's a reason why they're the sec is great at sports they're not necessarily great at school and that continues to be the case so selling out for sports programs obviously plays a part in it but it's honestly not in a particular selling out for the money-making sports programs in basketball and football true but you've seen a rising of the tides across all sec sports like sec basketball was never a power player 10 15 years ago now the sec basketball conference is arguably the best in the country so that's that's what i'm saying they they sold their soul in order to in order to get those money-making sports to the top where Mm -hmm. we were still you know i'll use volleyball or or softball or something like that it's like not money-making sports. Great, great teams for for the UW. Like they have, they're perennial powerhouses, and much of the other Pac-12 schools have perennial powerhouses in those sports and track and field and stuff like that. But to to uh, opt to cover those sports exclu- exclusively, pretty much on your on your network, and then and let football and and basketball go to the wayside has kind of diminished your product over yeah. over the course of. 10, 12 years where you've just fallen further and further behind every single year. Yeah. And so again, that in my mind, that's the first domino that fell. You, you took a chance, you took a chance with this new conference realignment and your first goal was to make this central hub, the PAC 12 network that was going to be like your distribution giant and was going to set you apart from every other conference. But then basically Every other conference, more specifically the Big Ten and the SEC, did it better. Yeah. Even Texas had their own Longhorn network that was also carried by that ESPN. Was, that was first, actually. What? Okay, I think sure. that came right before. I think that was the year before the Pac-12 network started. But the point remains the same. They've done it better because they, you can watch every single Texas Longhorn football game on that network as well as as well as on whatever national uh, carrier has it. so Yeah, and so then I think Tanner kind of touched on this in his brief recap, is that then that is where the next kind of 
stalemate comes in in getting to your next TV deal is that the late night football games that are on ESPN. Pac-12 After Dark, baby, our favorite Pac-12 After Dark. And honestly, is it like everything that I've ever heard from like people that are in the TV business is like these are highly lucrative games for ESPN. They want them because there's no competition. Yeah. Right? Now, does that hurt your exposure on the national level? It absolutely does. And that's where the Pac-12 kind of ended up butting heads there because it's like we want our primetime programs playing primetime games across the entire country but espn's like we got good money and we will give you good money because this is what makes us money yeah and so you know it's a double-edged sword like do you want to feed the beast espn the mothership do you want to like kind of just cater to what they are telling you or do you want to blaze your own path and you kind of found out that like you kind of bite the hands that that feeds you and now you've started to kind of now we're starting to get into a little bit more of what we're seeing now brand exposure has gone down again they still weren't able to get the pac-12 network to national relevancy Teams like U.S. national brands like USC and UCLA, like, I see all these other schools getting big time money. You're telling me that Rutgers is going to get paid more for their TV deal than us? Like, that's not, that's not how we operate business. Yeah. Continue on that a little bit. It For one, it's still just shocking to me that uh, Larry Scott was supposed to be a TV executive. That was his, that was his background coming coming from prior to the Pac-12 network. And just the fact that he has failed on so many levels of the TV aspects of this, it's still not covered on Dish, like we said earlier. That's shocking that you... that you Direct TV. Sorry, Direct TV. A, t- a form of Dish. Yeah. Satellite TV. It's still not covered. You... And I think the other, the other thing with this, too, is that... It's hurt the uh, those late night games have hurt the uh, the attendance at Pac twelve games and Washington's been a, a big big recipient of that um, with those seven o'clock start times and it's funny because on the East Coast it's such a normal thing that you know a five o'clock primetime game Monday night football starts yeah. at eight twenty five yeah exactly but well, the five o'clock primetime game starts at eight o'clock you know at on an East Coast game in the in its packed house people going nuts. And for some reason on the West Coast, it just hasn't translated the same. And I I don't really know the answer to that other than lack of passion for the game. And maybe that's from maybe that's from the Pac twelve slowly diminishing over the years. Um, you know, I, I I don't know the answer there, but it's I think all of that together has really really hurt the brand because you have these big time late night games and if you've been to Husky Stadium at a game that starts at seven o'clock, the stadium's half empty most of the time by by halftime or middle of the third quarter, and even if it's a good game, and so it's just you know it's it's bad bad for the brand, and and so um, you know it, we've gone down this road for over a decade, and we see what happens. It's it just has turned into kind of a crap pile. You can't get you can't get a Pac-12 school. Into into the college football playoff, 
and you were kind of touching on this earlier, like Oregon, early on, especially in the Pac-12, Oregon was national championship contender every year. And USC was flirting with that the first couple of years of it, but Oregon was going against Auburn one year, like, you know, undefeated. And they went to the national championship Yeah, they went to the twice. national championship twice and were top five team almost every single year during that time. And yet still, so you had the best or one of the best schools in the country and yet you still can't get any exposure because you're not able to, you know, sell the, you know, sell your the rights to your games for those primetime games and get the exposure that you want. And so I think just, you know, over the course of time it's it's just diminished the product and people want to go people want to go to the East Coast schools cuz they're going to get those primetime uh, primetime slots, you know get seen by get seen by everybody that's the the world we live in now you you want to be you know you want to be seen you want to be at the big schools and so it's you know over time just hurt the pack 12 and so moving forward i mean like you said uh larry scott his his thing is supposed to be tv guy and so now we'll they said that's kind of the setup, and that was the slow attrition over about 10 years. And if you watched Husky football or Pac-12 football in general, is that, like, I mean, Nigel and I have been beating this drum for years, is that you can call it East Coast bias, you can call it whatever you want. Is it like, I don't think, there's obviously highs and lows that come and go, but, like, the quality of football that's played in the Pac-12, in my mind, hasn't diminished a crazy amount. You can always nitpick things and like yeah. it's always true. USC hasn't been as good. They're your national power. That's usually the measuring stick for most conferences. If Ohio State took a dip for five years, the Big Ten would not be as strong of a player as they are right now. True. Because that is your power brand in your conference. So Oregon makes a rise and they're a good football team, but they're a growing brand. They're not tradition yeah and so they're not a big enough ship to rise the tides washington is a traditional power but still not in the sense that usc is they get good under chris peterson it's still not enough that it's going to rise the perceived value of the conference over this time period so now we move the clock forward after these years and you kind of start to see is like all right, time for a new TV deal. These are things that don't happen in a calendar year. They happen five years in advance. Yeah. And you could... So, I already know... I'm going to jump the gun here. I know Tan was already going to ask this question before. Is that, when did you know that the Pac-12 was going to die? It was probably about five years ago, at the minimum, when... There is no rumblings of what the future is going to be for this conference. Yeah. Those types of conversations, you would hear them start to manifest. You would see see things start to fall into place. Like, here's the direction that the conference is going to go from basically a TV money standpoint. And really all you've heard in the last five years is, Larry Scott needs to go because the Pac-12 network it sucks. And he still, they signed him to a 10-year contract to start. And so he, so for the last five years, all you've heard is, we can't wait for Larry Scott to be gone so that, the, so that the next good deal can come along. 
And that's been kind of the only hope of the network and the Pac-12 in general is that thank God he's leaving in four years from now because it's, it's going to be time to really, really put this thing together. And in the meantime, college football has been growing out of control. Not out of control, but it's, it's growing at an exponential rate. Well, it's changed, too. And it, exactly. And the, the makeup of college football has changed. The NIL situation, which we've talked about before on this, has changed. And that's been kind of brewing for several years now with the Ed O'Bannon case. And I think people, anyone who's kind of in tune with it has known that it's probably going to head in the direction that, that players are going to be, be paid at some, at some c- capacity. And so as you're kind of moving towards that and you're, you're not innovating as a conference any other way, when all of this stuff comes down, it's not really that surprising that you weren't really in, in a position and ready to make a deal because you haven't been ready to make a deal the entire time. ESPN came to you three or four years ago and offered to buy out the Pac-12 network, and the TV executive, Larry Scott, couldn't make a deal. And so yeah. you you have this golden opportunity. You've been given the golden egg from ESPN saying, we will buy this out, and we will run the network for you, and you aren't able Bought. to come... Yeah you, aren't, yeah, you aren't able to come to a deal, and and I think that is you know probably for the president's that's probably where you really start to think like, is this where we want to be long-term is because we can't, you know, we had the chance at this golden egg and we couldn't, we couldn't crack it. Yeah. Well, that's a whole other thing that we can or cannot get into if we want, but it's that a lot of hate's going towards Larry Scott, but it's also on the presidents too. Cause at the end of the day, the presidents are the ones that employ Larry Scott and, at some point, you gotta do something. Yeah. But uh, what I was gonna say real quick is that on your point is that that just falls all under the umbrella of what I was trying to set up earlier too, which is the makeup of college football shifted dramatically when they went from the BCS to the college football playoff, and the fact that Larry Scott and the presidents of the Pac-12 couldn't see the writing on the wall is that, like I said. You came up with this Pac-12 to be regionalized. This is how the sport had been played the entire time. As soon as you adopt a playoff model, it's the NFL. Yes. It's a national sport now that you need to be in the playoff and you're playing for a championship. Before that, it was all localized. Your West Coast teams are your West Coast teams and the writers write about them. East Coast writers write about East Coast, whatever. It's all regional. And then basically at the end of the day, the writers puff out their chests and say why their teams and their regions are the best. And people believe it, especially if you go, you know, 70s, 80s, people are reading the newspaper to figure out who the best team is. Now, especially with the introduction of the playoff, now it's a national sport. You need to be nationally recognized. There is no, our writers on the West Coast say that we're the best, so other people believe it. Yeah. And, and so, and to, to piggyback off that a little bit, Again, to go with the anyone who's listened to anyone, like especially national sports folks like Dan Patrick, they've been talking, DP's been talking about this for five, six years. Pretty much as soon as the college football playoff was announced that there was going to be four teams, I think within that year he said, I, I'm talking to people and they're saying it's going to be eight or 
10 as soon or as 12 four. as soon as yeah. as soon as they open the door to four it it's opening the door to more because that's so more money it's exactly because it's more money because those those and especially after the first year i believe it was after the first year when they got the when they got the revenue details of the college football playoff it was like right after that the the tv execs are like this thing is is going to be huge we're going to make a bazillion dollars off this and it's going to change all of college football and so at the, at the end of the day, that's really what is what opened the door and what what changed it. It was always going to be the major schools, who the who's who, the big TV markets, just like any sport. It's the who has who has the most TV dollars. Those are the teams that are going to be competing for for the college football playoff and the championship ultimately. So this it's the writing's been on the wall there for a long time, and so. You get you have a, a crap conference and a, and bad deals coming your way. The the big schools that are in the big markets are probably flirting with the uh, with the major money networks that aren't in the Pac-12 and trying to find their way into you know into the the bigger pieces of the pie. And so, so backtracking a little bit, you guys were talking about Larry Scott as far as trying to make a deal with ESPN in the past. Why didn't that? Why couldn't he come up with a deal? Why didn't that work out? And then my part two to that question would be, who was it that actually took over? Because I don't know who the name was of that person. And did he ever have a chance to save the Pac-12? Did he have enough time to even save George it? George Klyovkov yeah. is the current. He's yeah. He's the current. He was. He came from Vegas. From Vegas, he was MGM. I believe he's a mar- he's a marketing guy from Vegas. Yeah, and so he was like promoter for I think a lot of fighting stuff like Vegas fights. Those Same ilk though. Yeah, guy who kn- air quotes guy who knows how to market a product and sell it. And honestly, it's like I'll kind of jump to the end here. Is that uh, Klyovkov? Uh, we could get into more details here as we build up. Uh, because I don't think he did a good job in the last month. I think he's had a really bad month. I, that's not really a hot take. <laughs> it's that he's had a bad month, but dealt a bad hand. Yeah. Oh, he was definitely dealt a bad hand. But and that doesn't mean that you yeah. knew that when you got the job. He basically had a bad hand. He basically gotta... had a year to to put together to put together these deals and present them. And I think that over the last, you obviously to move it along here. Last year, around this time, USC and UCLA announced that they're going to be leaving the Pac-12, and so your made your biggest TV market in in the entire conference is now gone and going to the Big Ten. So, really tough, really tough hand to be dealt, and to put all you know to present all all of the schools that are left with the options that they're going to have. Excuse me, have at that point. But I think as as we were kind of creeping along here, I think it was uh, July thirty first or no, sorry, June thirtieth. I think was their original kind of deadline date that they were looking at to to have an announcement for a Pac twelve deal because that was right before Pac twelve media day, and so they were hoping to have some kind of announcement for these things. And so I think as we got like close to to the thirtieth, and there was no deal announced yet, and not really any like rumblings from any of the major uh major names that cover college football that are like that were saying 
sounds like they're close to a deal or anything like that. I think as that was kind of moving along over the course of the last month or two, you really started to worry a little bit that this thing wasn't going to come together. And the schools that they were trying to invite in, like San Diego State and um, maybe Boise State and things like that, when you weren't hearing SMU, when you weren't hearing much about that, um, I think it was starting to starting to get very bleak in that uh, in those negotiations, I guess. And yeah, well, to, to tie up the George Klyovkov, because Tan had another question too about oh, yeah. Larry Scott, which I don't have much of an answer there, but we'll get we'll get to my non-answer answer about Larry Scott. But with the George Klyovkov, is it the real nail in the coffin in my mind? Of knowing when the Pac-12 was going to die post-USC and UCLA leaving. Which, that was really, if you didn't know it was going to die, it was definitely going to die then. But, was when at Friday at uh, Pac-12 Media Day, where he just, Klyovkov gets asked straight up, like, do you have a media deal? And he's like, basically he's like, yeah, we totally have a media deal, but I'm not going to talk about it here because it's about the kids and the players and stuff. And it's like, yeah, that TV deal is about the kids and the players because they won't be in this conference unless you have one. Yeah. And he kind of like shirked the question right there. It was kind of the like, yeah, I totally have a girlfriend. She just goes to a different school. <laughs> like, no, totally believe me, dude. She's super She's hot. hot. She's yeah. super hot at like... Honestly, the longer Better I wait, camp. <laughs> this is basically the line he gave too. He's like, the longer, the longer you wait to see her, the hotter she's gonna be. Because that's he's like, he's like, the longer we wait, the more money we get. He like literally said that. It was like, <laughs> you sound exactly like the kid that I'm describing right here. That it's like, no, she's over there in the other town, and she gets hotter by the day. I promise you, when you see her, you're gonna be blown away. It's like, there is no girlfriend that lives in the other town. No, he was texting her, and it was yeah, and it was never and it was never going to come through, uh, and that was again not trying to jump around too much, but the said is that that was ultimately Anne Marie Koss, who's the president of UW. I think I could only believe her from from our perspective as Husky fans is that basically when they came to the table with this deal that got put together with Apple is that one of the selling points, by her standards, was you can opt out after two years. If you're, selling, if you're selling me a deal, and one of the selling points is that you can get out of it in two years, that's not a good deal. A bad deal. That's not a good deal. That shows how little confidence you have in your own deal that you've brokered here with Apple. And now we'll never know. Maybe, Apple, maybe that Apple deal would have been the best deal. Everything's going streaming at some point, and that's a conversation. That's a whole other conversation about how people consume media, and maybe that would have been a great deal. But I do believe her, at least the way that she presents that, that it's like one of your selling points is a get out of jail card in two years. That's how. I, that's a red flag. So, yeah, and I think, and I think that that selling point just kind of goes to the point that I was making a minute ago, which is. The, the makeup of college football is going to change, and we'll get into this more in the, I guess, for the future point that we're going to get to. But 
I think everyone knows that college football is going to be making some major shifts, and so that is why Apple is saying we can, you can get out of this yeah. deal in two years because there's going to be a lot of changes in the next five. Apple years. will still be a power player yeah, in the future of college football. Yes. Like they have the money to spend to do it. This was just their kind of like get their low, toes in the yeah water. low investment, get our toes in here. Yeah. Like I still see a future like that. I do want to get back to Tanner's first part of the question, which is why couldn't Larry Scott broker a deal? And my really short answer is I don't know. The only part that I think I do know is kind of what we had brushed on earlier is that I do think a big sticking point for ESPN and brokering a deal is we are going to slot the Pac-12 into late night football. Because that's where ESPN makes the most money. And the Pac-12 was And very... a Thursday night game. Sure. Yeah. All, all of those, game. yeah, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, late night football games. And that's where they make their money. And Larry Scott, and this is what I say, is that hindsight's twenty twenty is where Larry Scott fucked up. He fucked up because you had already proven through your first seven-ish years into this that you didn't know how to do a good enough job to float this thing on your own that you probably can't that that's not the best deal you can get is only having late night games and it wouldn't have been only late night games again like i said at the beginning and, and they were already hold on a second. Yeah, okay sorry like i said at the beginning espn wants to elevate their own product when they have you as one of your products they're not going to just pigeonhole you into these late night games. They're going to make you a priority. It might not be priority number one because the SEC makes them more money, but they are going to find ways to get you to that point. It might just be a slow roll. Yeah, that was that was part of the point I was just going to make as well is that there's a reason that, that, uh, you, that the SEC is so... Uh, over overplayed on ESPN and that um, that's what they talk about all day long and that it's the best it's the best conference and everything else because ESPN is the the biggest player in sports and so they are manipulating you into believing that this is the best product that there is and so because it makes them more money yeah, and they the want you the to day. consume they their want product. you to consume their product and so all of us Watch ESPN if you're a sports fan. You watch Sports Center. You watch, you know, First Take or whatever. You know any of these any of these shows that come on. You watch, you know, College Game Day. And at the end of the day, these these guys are all working for ESPN, and so they're going to be pumping out and pitching the how great their conference is. And so, if you wanted you wanted the chance for the Pac-12 to like have its lifeline, it would have been selling off to ESPN, the entire network, giving them the rights to it, and you'd probably still have a Pac-12 right now. Yeah, and so and similar a little bit to what UW is probably going to experience now. It might have been one step backwards, two steps forward, but basically that's where Larry Scott and the Pac-12. That is a position that they work themselves into. You worked yourself out of being the premier conference in college athletics. So then you have to humbly 
accept what is given to you. Take your take your hit on the chin, take a step back, and then build it back up. And they didn't do it. And I think honestly, per what Nigel was saying before, there's probably a lot of Husky fans and Pac-12 fans in general that at the time very much liked that because they did not like the late night games. Like, yeah, fuck ESPN. We don't want to play 7 o'clock games. But you're kind of seeing the ripple effect of that decision now. So, that is how we got here. So moving forward into the current, let's just kind of break down some advantages and disadvantages specifically towards the Huskies of going to the uh, the Big Ten. And also just as a personal side note for you guys itself, are you guys happy with it? Are you excited about the, the change? Pers- me? Um, yes, I'm excited. I there's There's definitely a part of me that is going to miss some of the... Uh, some of the rivalries, and we'll get into like Apple Cup, and, you know, that I think is a little going to be up in the air. And, and just in general, the Pac-12 itself, because it's been around so long, um, I've I've followed the Pac-12. Like, I, I've had a stake in what Oregon State does. Like, I lo- you know, like, I like watching those games and like keeping up with everything and knowing, no, you know, knowing all those, all those players and teams and coaches and, and what's going on. And, and so... Um, so that part of it, I'm a little, you know, little nostalgic about, I guess, but overall, yes, I'm super, I'm super excited. It's, it's more money than they were going to get, which means better facilities, means better, better product. It means, um, also just kind of on a like selfish note, I guess, um, we like to go to games, you know, try to go to an away game or so every year. And so it's kind of a cool opportunity to, you know, like we went to Michigan a couple of years ago when the Huskies played there. That sucked. And yeah, it was a terrible game. But now we're going to get the chance to go back and hopefully have a much better showing. And that's going to be able to happen every year. And all and a lot of these schools in the Big Ten, there's a lot of passion and a lot of, you know, really excited college football fans like, uh, Penn State, Nebraska, Michigan, Ohio State, Wisconsin, like all Camp Randall, baby. Yeah, all of these places are renowned for being like some of the best, you know, college football atmospheres around. And the Huskies can be that too. When when they're when they're rocking and rolling, like it's a really fun place to be. But I've been to a couple of you know, been to Corvallis a couple of times and like it's a it's a fun atmosphere, but it's Corvallis not. Corvallis is sick. Yeah, Corvallis is it's a fun atmosphere, but it's not Penn State on a on a Saturday night. No, you know it's not a whiteout at Penn State, and so like I think being or the opportunity for me to be able to go to some of those games and watch the Huskies is going to be really cool, and I'm very excited about that. And you know it's a it's a big time big time conference. There's a lot of big time teams, and so you know I, I think. If, assuming the Huskies do well, which I think they will, it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of exposure. Uh, you know, hopefully they can be a perennial powerhouse in that conference. Yeah, I think, I think for me with this realignment is that my my heart is sad 
because I love the Pac-12. Like, we love Oregon State. We love Wazoo. We love... That's about it, honestly. <laughs> like, yeah. I like, I like, well, a, I well, like even like a local... Stanford or something like that. that sure, like you we've love... been to Stanford and like the atmosphere there is trash. And even though it's a great school and they were a good football school at that point, it's like the atmosphere there for a college football atmosphere is trash. But per per this whole point, my heart loves the tradition of college football. But again, basically to just recycle the how we got here. My heart loves the tradition of college football. I think it's something that makes the sport unique. I like college football more than the NFL. Nobody's arguing that college football puts a better talent product on the field, right? Like, it's not a better brand of football. So it very much is the tradition that drives your passion for it. And so you're losing a little bit of that. But, again, per our whole conversation before, my brain tells me i already know the writing on the wall and this what do you do you want to be left do you want to be left behind or do you want to move forward and the huskies are in a fortunate position that they get to move forward right like i think at the end of the day and i know i'm going to recycle the same thing before is like would you rather be in the big 10 or uh the mountain west because that was kind of the direction that even if the Pac-12 survived, that was basically the connotation that was going to be given to the new Pac-12. Do you want to be a power player or do you want to be kind of second fiddle here? And Cougar fans probably won't like this and we'll get more into talking about Cougar fans probably later. But as a Husky fan... Whether it's completely true or not, I very much see the Huskies as a traditional power that belongs at the big boy table. Agreed. And so you had to do it. And I'm sure at the end of the day, that's probably what Jen Cohen in the athletic department is looking at. Is like, are we are we big dogs or are we little brother here? Yeah. I'm like, no, we're traditional powerhouse. We are a big time university. We are in a big market. We do all of the things that should put us on the same plane as any other school in the country. We need to go be a part of that. And they did. So I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the travel opportunities. Basically, every real Big Ten school I want to go to. Yeah. Like I said, Iowa sounds like a good away game. Yeah. Wisconsin, Ohio State, I've been to Michigan. I don't need to go there again. Ann Arbor fucking sucks. Could do a whole other <laughs> podcast on Ann Arbor. But that place sucks. And it's not just because the Huskies lost, but like that place in general fucking sucks. I don't want to go to East Lansing. Penn State sounds really cool. I mean, even for basketball, going to watch Indiana. Yeah. That could be cool. Like, So it's fun that there's a lot of opportunities. I'm excited. I'm happy about it. <laughs> I guess happy is the right word, but sad but happy. So for UW's program, though, is there any major disadvantages that you can think of of them leaving to go to the Big Ten? I think that I think that uh, maybe slight disadvantage would be that 
if you were able to salvage the Pac-12 and they still had a seat at the college football playoff table, then in a what is a weaker conference without without or or without UCLA and USC, you have a better chance of making it into making it into the dance of the college football playoff because you have weaker opponents, but at the end of the day, I don't really want to see that. You know, like, I, I, like, we're big yes, t- it's, like, yes, yes, it's nice. You're a big time program, yeah. it doesn't matter. That's, yeah, yes, it's, it's, it'd be nice, but I think the, the future, the future of it is, is going to be two, two major conferences. And so you had to get a seat at the table. The Pac 12 wasn't going to be at that table in five years. And so you, you got to the place where you, you have a seat now. And, and so disadvantage. I I mean I don't think there's any disadvantage. And iron sharpens iron. So you you want to you gotta you gotta go against the good schools and prove yourself every single week. And so that's uh, that didn't seem like it was gonna be necessarily the case in the Pac-12 moving forward. And so um, it's gonna be tougher for them, yes, because you got a lot of good opponents. But I think it, in the long run it's gonna be better and it's gonna it's gonna elevate the level of. Uh, play and elevate the program and so i i think it's uh, i think it's a good thing uh real quick the other one i'd say nebraska we've been to nebraska yeah i'd go back there though i'm ready to go back uh disadvantage uh i think it's like i said this is very this is very niche is that short term short term your disadvantage in my mind is that the huskies for the life, the life of their program is that one of the biggest additions when you added Colorado and Utah to the Pac-12 is that you opened up a recruiting pipeline to Utah. Utah is a very good state to recruit out of. And now that they're going to the Big 12, you can still recruit there, but like these recruiting pipelines matter. So you lose Utah and you lose Arizona, and Arizona is honestly the bigger one. Arizona is a great state for high school football. True. And you're probably going to lose that pipeline pretty quickly with them playing in the Big 12 because now you're just going to have Texas schools coming in and draining the pipeline there. Now you open up new pipelines to Ohio and Wisconsin. How easy is it to pull kids from the Midwest to come play at Washington? Probably not as easy as Utah and Arizona. So that's my big thought on disadvantage is that you do change your recruiting pipeline a bit, and that's probably going to take five to ten years for you to basically patch those holes on it and figure it out. Now, but on a positive side, I think some of those some of the Washington players who have been going to like Ohio State over the last few years may now stay in the conference because now you're getting that same exposure sure. that that you would have had at Ohio State. Sure. So I said, at the end of the day, you aligned yourself with. What one B in terms of power players? So you got to think that there is a upswell in that regard. That you've aligned yourself with a power player, so you should find some recruiting windfall from that. But again, I follow the recruiting pretty good, and I still think like in my heart of hearts, there's a lot of value in these like deep rooted pipelines and Utah and Arizona. Those are hard pipelines that took you a long time to establish, and they'll probably go out the door pretty quickly. 
So getting these new pipelines into these new states that you're now a part of, it takes time. Yeah, it doesn't happen overnight. Good news though is that DeBoer is a Midwest guy, yes. and so he has some of those pipelines already established. Agree. So you're gonna. I, I don't think you'll take as big of a hit there with those with those Midwest uh, recruits as you would with with maybe some other coaches that might be more ingrained in the California Arizona pipelines Utah pipelines because because DeBoer's already down there and has has guys here has you know kind of feet on the ground in those areas. So that was leading. You guys already kind of led into my next question, which was. Uh, regarding like recruitment and stuff, but as far as recruitment, what about NIL money? Is there going to be any major effect as far as changing conferences? I think, well, I think the easy answer right off the jump is yes. Like you've now put yourself, like I said, basically in your 1A, 1B tier conference that at the end of the day, it comes it comes down to how much money are you willing to pony up, but guys that get paid big money for NIL want to be on TV, and so you've aligned yourself with arguably the best or or second best TV contract. So that should help you with yeah. these guys. But it means more money for the program, which means more money available for NIL. So in in order to compete, yeah. you're and gonna they go hand to, in hand. Yeah, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to be be spending that money on those guys, and so you've. Put your you've got the deal now, and so you've got the the TV package deal. So you should be in a place where you can compete with with those uh, universities. Plus, I think there's a pretty good uh, contingent of of uh, alumni that that are putting in money. I think moving to a bigger conference like this is only gonna only gonna ramp that up. Yeah. I know that, you know, when I talk to other people outside of you two who are both very knowledgeable, I think there's still a misunderstanding of how NIL money works. If you guys want to give like, a quick breakdown of like how that act- that system works for the players. I would love to if I knew how it worked. <laughs> but now, I mean, I think I think that's I think that's a great question that, like I said, I still don't know exactly how it goes because. It is the wild, wild west right now. And I guess in my mind, and I'm sure to some degree, I would think that it's gonna there's gonna be growing pains with it, but to the like satisfaction of uh, presidents in the in these universities is that this will be the change because like the NCAA, like, they're not a real organization like i think i think that's like kind of a misconception is it like the ncaa is just basically this private body that is hired by the universities to like oversee this stuff like they're not the commissioner they actually have no authority realistically other than the power that is given to them and this is why it's so mismanaged right now is it like they're not they're not even like they're, they're not even the equivalent of your local police force, right? Like a lot of yeah. times like you don't speed on they're the road. They're a mall security guard. You don't exactly, you don't speed on the road because of the fear that you'll get caught by the cops, right? Like that's why you don't air quotes, you don't speed or that's why you don't commit crime. Nigel makes a good 
a good analogy. It's like the mall cop. NCA is just the mall cop. Like, are you worried about the mall cop arresting you? Probably not. Now, does that you mean you were five years ago before the NIL stuff? Does that mean? But yeah, does that mean that you're going to steal from the mall? Maybe not necessarily, but you'd probably be more likely to test your luck with a mall cop than a real cop, right? And so, I think with this conference realignment and to really like jump to, I don't want to jump too far into the forward because we're gonna really unpack that later, but. This is what will bring balance and order to the force. <laughs> is that there will be a great shift in college football, and things like NIL will be sorted out in this new empire. <laughs> you know, uh, to go with the Star Wars reference. So, what you're basically saying, in a sense, is that college football finally accepting that it is about money over tradition and education might actually help them function better in the long term. I, I think that's been established that that is the NCAA, NCAA wasn't able to do that. So basically the TV networks decided that for them. Yeah. Which is Fox and ESPN. what has happened here. Fox and ESPN decided that for the NCAA and the presidents because they did not know how to handle this, and so they decided it for him. And again, this could be a whole other podcast, but you know, that's just kind of capitalism at its finest. You got two monopolies, Fox and ESPN, and they are deciding it's the illusion of choice. They run a monopoly here, and they have decided what product they're going to give to you. They're just going to give you the illusion of choice that you can pick what team you like, but at the end of the day, you're all paying the same person. And so, to bring this back to NIL, though, it's the wild, wild west right now. I think that there's going to be a lot more answers to a lot of the questions that surrounds it. Not next year, but maybe in five years from now. Once, yeah. basically, Fox and ESPN run college football. There will be. There's going to be a Supreme Court be, case. There'll be guard. There'll be guardrails. Yeah. There will be basically CBAs put in place. Yeah. For how players are paid. So. I think it's yeah. a really hard question to answer right now. Yeah. But I, mean, I think it will the, be decided. The I don't know is mostly fair, but I mean, at the end of the day, schools schools are school. Or, we'll talk football programs, but athletic programs have an allotment of money, and UW, for instance, has has a kind of separate entity that a collective that, coll- a collective that holds on to all, all of that money, in particular from donors, and and pays pays these players for showing up to the university to start with. You know, we don't. None of this is public information at this point, which I think at some point it will be. But none of it's public information. But you're paying players to come to your university. You're paying them to stay at your university. You're giving them money. You know, for, you know, five year, or four years here, million dollars a year. Let's say hypothetically, they're all the the collective for the Huskies at least is also the ones who are kind of brokering uh, players to have sponsorships with 
with different different organizations so like appearances at, at, at different things if someone wants to make a t-shirt that says uh, big panics energy then and those proceeds go to Michael Penix and they're brokering that that situation for for the player so that's how the huskies are doing it I think that different programs have come to different answers and I don't know exactly what what every program is doing and how they're managing that like so I think some of them like especially some of those SEC schools I think that's more more held under the athletic program doing that versus where the Huskies have a collective that's theoretically outside of the athletic program but it's but well, it's think, but it's I, run by Chris Peterson I think most I think well it's not run by him. well he's, he's just yeah a he's consultant. a He's a consultant. But yes. I, I think well, I think most of it is done outside of the university. Like the university can't cut a check to a player. Now, like I said, the level of involvement from the university with the collective, I think varies on a case by case basis. Like you just had mentioned that like Chris Peterson is a consultant to it. That seems like a very like close knit type Tied. of guy yeah. that has great connections within the university and the football program and can bridge that yeah. there are varying levels of people that fall into that same camp on a university by university basis uh it's just, it's just top of mind right now is that like i heard i heard mark sanchez say this on the radio today is that i think uh cj stroud to come back this last year he's like i don't know the exact number but he's like Let's call it fifteen million. He said ten to twenty. So he's like, let's call it fifteen million is what they paid him to come back. This this what past year. Oh, they paid him. I think to they come paid back. him. Okay. I think instead of going to instead of NFL. going last year, yeah. So they paid him fifteen million to come back and play quarterback for one year. And I think I mean something like that really said really shows how much money is in these uh, TV deals and in within these universities because. They're all, it's a business at the end of the day. And so if you're willing to pay a college quarterback 15, even if we call it $10 million to come back, and I'm sure Michael Penix is kind of in the same boat. He probably is I'm making, sure he got five. I'm sure he's getting $5 million to come back this year. And so that, uh, you know, that just shows that there's a, there's a lot of money and a lot of money from TV deals, even with the Pac-12 now, that that are allowing these people to come back. And so I think the the future of it is going to be very interesting, to say the least. Of what, what... I think the future of it is going to be a lot more transparent. Yeah. I think right now, because like none, none of these programs we've mentioned have any issue with cutting these checks. Like, it's not... It's not, is there enough money? It's, how much do we want to spend? Yeah. Because, it, like you said before, none of this needs to be reported. None of it is going and getting audited by anybody. So, much like I just float Mark Sanchez saying this, it's all hearsay. It's probably right. I don't think he's getting people telling him this that don't know what they're talking about. But... As soon as these numbers are reported, which will be probably where this goes eventually, you then find then things staggering. then things will fall into more order. Where like once you have to report everything and everything is really on the books, 
you can't, well, you can, but you can't really go off the rails and go do whatever you want. Like I said, it's the wild, wild west right now. I think it's going to move into, like, the NFL. Salary cap, like, stuff like that. Like, those are the types of things that once these numbers are reported, and and they have to be reported, they'll be, they're going to find a way marginally to create parity. Yeah. Once you're all collectively, because at the end of the day, it's like, even even with the Pac-12, and it ended up being the downfall of it, but... It's like, it is a very socialist structure that everybody shares a piece of the pie. So at the end of the day, you all want to make decisions that benefit everybody so that everybody gets a big, like, everybody gets an equal piece of the pie, but the pie is bigger. And so you have to find ways to regulate that. And that's what the NFL does better than anybody. Also, that's on that note of, we didn't really touch on that earlier with the past, but I'm going to touch on it now. That's something that USC and UCLA have been upset about for a long time with the Pac-12 deal that they got originally is that it's an equal deal for every single TV market. Yeah, and they carry and they, weight. And they carry, they carry a lot of the weight. And so that's been a, I think that's been a point of contention and why they were the quickest to jump off the ship to start is because they weren't very thrilled with having to share equal parts of the pie with with Colorado, the, a team that went over last year, yeah. and so when the when the deals that they're getting floated are uh, coming back and still equal parts of the pie, they're not as thrilled about that. My one quick counter on that, and you know this, I'm not arguing against you, I'm arguing with you, is that they could take that shit and shove it up their ass because the Huskies, <laughs> the Huskies, and the Ducks, as much as I hate the Ducks have carried the weight of this conference in terms of competitiveness. Agreed. So, like, I get that there's market share value being in L.A., but, like, they've been fucking dog shit this entire time. Huskies and Ducks have carried the competitive aspect of it, so they could try to, like, walk on water and be like, oh, we didn't get a fair shake. This is like, you guys have sucked. Yeah. You just got Lincoln Riley, and now you're good now. So, like, congratulations. Like, I... Don't don't give me this woe is me is like you guys ruined the conference by being dog shit. Yeah. So moving forward into the the future with everything, how do you guys see, as far as like in particular travel, how do you see this being, how is this going to affect college football for these teams that are making the jump and even the other teams that are a part of the Big Ten? Um, well, I've heard a few few uh, funny anecdotes about it, how uh, traveling from like LA to Rutgers or something like that is the equivalent of... Uh, going from Rutgers to London or something like that, so we might as well throw another another team in London. And we'll add Cambridge or something like that, and have their football team as well, and and uh, add that so we get another time slot in there and more money for the TV networks. I like that. Yeah, but um, easy win. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Easy. Which one's an easier <laughs> yeah. win, Cambridge or Rutgers? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. exactly. So, but ultimately for football, um, I don't think it changes anything. It's not it. I'm sure it will take some toll on some of these guys 
it's a little bit longer travel. It's more time in a plane, more time out of class. But at the end of the day, these guys, I think for the most part during the season, football players at least, are probably doing mostly online classes, not really being at class as much in, as it is taking one or two classes. And so they're already traveling most weeks. They're already practicing. They're spending a lot of time to practice in the weight room as it is. And so I don't think it's going to affect any affect it very much with the football travel. Um, they're, you know, they play one game a week, and and ha- you know half the season they'll be traveling. They were already doing doing that anyway. And for some for some of these, you know, I, I guess there football is always taking charter flights, so it's just a little bit longer flight for them than they would be taking for a wazoo flight that takes five minutes to to go over to pullman um versus having to go to Rutgers, which is obviously going to be five or six hours so more travel time i think teams are are built to deal with that though in 2023 much more than in the past and so i i just i don't think it's going to affect anything personally yeah so with regards to the football team is that the Huskies are kind of the winners in this situation in some regards is that I completely agree with kind of what you're saying is like you play once a week, like the Huskies do travel a lot, but it's kind of similar to the Seahawks in a lot of regards that like, sure you're going to have to travel. And when you play in the PAC 12, though, it's like you already travel. I feel like a lot more than any other team does. Like, like you were saying before is like, Arizona, like when the Huskies go to Arizona, like that is a longer trip than most of these Big Ten teams make. And LA, and yeah, and yeah, LA, yeah. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. Basically, any game that they play that isn't yeah. Wazoo, Oregon, Oregon State, or NorCal. Yeah, those Midwest schools are pretty centralized and all pretty close right. to each other. So, in my mind, it's honestly a real advantage is that when they come here, and already is like we can bitch and moan about how attendance at husky stadium has been down but it is still a very good home venue and has a lot of value just like the seahawks stadium not nearly in that regard like that's fair but you get teams to start to travel out here i honestly think that like this works in the huskies favor yeah, you already travel, travel. Come here. You already travel a lot when you play on the road. What is a what is a three hour flight to a four or five hour flight? Like, it's not that it's not that crazy. Like the Huskies are already used to it. So, it's, in terms of travel for the football team, I think it's honestly a benefit to the Huskies that you start to get these teams that are coming from the Midwest that for the first time in their lives they actually have to fucking travel, change time zones, like. We're more used to this as Husky fans. Yeah. Now, obviously, in Pac-12 play, you don't change time zones too often. But in general, it's like you're a lot more used to it out here because if you need to get anywhere, you got to travel distance. These other these other conferences, like, they kind of have it cherried a lot of the time that it's like, oh, we got we got Most five of travel away. is yeah. the equi- equivalent of UW to Oregon, UW to... NorCal, yeah, it's that kind of like travel plan that the Huskies, I think, are actually better built for it. And then Husky Stadium, hopefully, 
you know, to kind of rope in this whole conversation too with Big Ten is that hopefully this is the wake up call for Husky Nation that like they made the move to say that we're power players, so you need to be a power player as yeah. a fan too. Yeah. But it's like you need to embrace this Big Ten SEC culture that it needs to be a packed house every game. You need to embrace this home field advantage because you will have one. If Wisconsin has to travel here, that is a big home field advantage. So I'm I'm excited about the travel aspect of it, and we kind of touched on it before too about the Huskies traveling on the road. As a fan, I'm excited. I would think if you're a player, you should be equally excited. Like that's these are the type of venues that you want to play at. You're still gonna have to play at, you know, Indiana. Like that's not. That's not a destination for football. Rutgers, Maryland, places like that. But I think I think the Huskies will have a net positive on their travel experience. You're gonna get more miles out of it, but at the end of the day, like you gotta be you're a premier college football player, like that that that's not what you're worried about is a longer flight. So in that regard, I think it is a win for the Huskies. Yeah, and I, honestly, and like I said, I think that's built in a lot more now because I I think it was last year that they were talking about this with Husky football about how they their like travel routines and like what they like the sleep cycles and like the and like when they yeah. get to the hotels and like they Huskies have a, are big they have on a, that they have a they have like a person who's dedicated to like making to making sure that everyone's getting like getting enough sleep getting getting the proper nutrients like we're already kind of built for that as it is and so i don't i think for the huskies at least and maybe other schools have don't have this yet because they haven't had to travel but being in seattle and in the pac-12 you always had to travel to get you know three three-fourths of the games were long flights so it's it's already kind of built into the into the setup, and I would be surprised that if other schools didn't have something like that. But I I do think Kalen DeBoer's a pretty progressive coach in that way, and so I think I think we'll have a little head or head over the the rest of the competition there with that. Yeah, I'd put I'd put my money on these west West Coast schools having a leg up in that regard. Yeah, they know how to travel because they have to. Yeah, a lot of these Midwest schools. It's a stone's throw away that they play. And there's great environments everywhere. They said it's more of an onus on Husky Nation, USC. Oregon obviously has a great fan base. But more so I'd say UCLA and USC. Yeah, Oregon's shit. They're shit, but like they yeah. they obviously know how to support their team. Well, I just mean even for home games. Yeah. That it's like... That's where I think these West Coast schools that are joining the Big Ten have a real advantage on their home field advantage. That you have to travel a long ways. It's a lot easier for these West Coast schools. They're more adept to travel places. So that would be my take on on at least that travel aspect. Yeah. What about for the other sports that aren't football? We don't give a. Di- no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I think that's where it's going to be a little more difficult. Um, you know, I say basketball, for instance, for one. You know, you play. 
you play two games a week generally. You're going to play two different teams. So you're traveling multiple multiple locations across the country potentially or going home, you know, home and away and, you know, Wednesday game on the road and then back home on Saturday. So that I think can be, you know, there's definitely going to be a little more travel going on there. The the other school, you know, the baseball for instance, I think they're they're kind of doing more series so it's going to be one you know one trip out one one trip back um so i i think that again being being in seattle we're used to having to travel everywhere um for the schools coming in i think it's going to be a lot a lot more travel for for those midwest schools coming out to la coming out to seattle coming out to oregon it's definitely going to be a, a longer trek for those guys having to come out here and probably not as used to it. Um, so yeah, that, I think that's going to be interesting. It's I, it's definitely tougher. It's going to be tougher for those, we'll call them non-revenue sports, um, just because you're also not traveling as luxurious. You know, you're you're not getting a, a chartered flight necessarily, or like private flights um, where you, you're going to have space to spread out. It's it, you're flying commercial as a team you know in coach and so i think those longer distance ones are going to wear on athletes a lot more but at the end of the day you're young it's it's the uh it's the price you're gonna have to pay to play sports anywhere realistically so i, th- I think that it's just part of the territory um so i, I don't think that it's you know i don't think it's gonna affect that much at the end of the day it's more time for the student athletes, but I think they'll find a way to get it done. Yeah, I got I got two thoughts on non-revenue sports, as you put it, is that the first the first being, and this is probably a little cold-blooded, but it's just kind of it's just kind of the way things go, and. You should already know this when you're coming to the university. Is it's kind of like, like I said, you're a non-revenue sport. Like you are kind of beholden to what the football team decides is the right path for you. It's yeah. like I've heard I've heard a lot of a lot of conversations around like, oh well, the travel for these other sports will be X Y Z and it will be horrible. And I do have sympathy for that because I do like a lot of the other sports. Like we've said in past podcasts, like, I mean, honestly, like I play more volleyball than any sport right now. So I don't want it to be lost that it's like, oh, I have no sympathy for the volleyball team when they need to go have this new travel plan. But at the end of the day, it's like kind of as... Like I said, it's kind of cold-blooded, but it's like you don't have the ability to control your destiny as a sport. So you kind of just need to accept whatever is given to you. Yeah. Like it's it's a really sad stance. Like I'm not overly joyed by that aspect of it. But it is kind of the reality of it, right? Yeah. That like you don't really have a choice in the matter 
And at the end of the day is that ideally, much like we were saying before with like the SEC, when you get better TV deals through your football program, your facilities will be better. Your recruiting map will be better. Your players will be better. Like your personnel will be better. Like your personnel will be better. Are, the people who are in charge of making sure you are getting to your class, getting your your tutors are going to be better. Your your the person who's making sure you get enough rest is going to be better. Like, exactly. It's be, like so. It your program it the tide. Yeah. Exactly. Your program will be better because you have more money. Yeah. If the deficit to that is that you have to travel more, I guess that's a choice that you need to make as a player. And I think any player would accept that. You know, it. You want. You're not. You're not going to college to play or to do track or to play volleyball or whatever else because you don't love the game. Like you're there to play play the sport and because you love and it. And ideally you it's want like, to play in a place where the facilities match your quality of play. Yeah. Exactly. And ideally you will be able to provide that to players. The, Much like you said, what I maybe I'm taking this for granted, but it's like, what does a fucking twenty year old care about the, a five hour flight versus a three hour flight? The one thing like the that, one thing that, that I matter. heard the one thing that I heard that I do think is a bit relevant to it is that a lot of people make the decision based off of family, right? Like where they play. And so you maybe on the West coast or like, let's say you dub you're in the big 10 and you're from a family that can't afford to travel very much. And you're in a smaller sport like that. And maybe your family could go to Oregon and WSU and Corvallis and go see three of your matches or games or whatever, because that's what they can afford to go see. Cause you're from Seattle and that's, you know, and so now maybe that's just Oregon because that's the only school that it's in proximity to you. And so maybe that maybe that affects some of it because there's less ability for families to travel. And so maybe that, you know, changes your decisions a little bit uh, for those other sports. That, but, that only harkens but, back to what I was saying before is that that's where your recruiting pipelines change through time. And that's not a quick shift yeah that's a long that's a long change that now maybe you get more recruits that are midwest recruits because they know oh i'm gonna be in the ohio area i'm gonna be in these areas yeah and that is a that's really on the coaches and the staff that like how do i maximize these pipelines more because it does change yeah like I completely agree. Much like I was saying before, with like, how do you get a Arizona? How do you get a player from Arizona, regardless if they play football or volleyball or softball or track and field, to come to UW? Now that you don't travel there, you need to be in your pipeline. Like, yeah. So that is a challenge, and it's not just football's specific challenge. But at the end of the day, I think. Most programs have proven money is what determines everything. Yeah. I think you'll be able to find a way that when you've elevated your facilities. Yeah. And, perks, and, and pedigree as a program. It's like, yeah. I don't think that you know volleyball is going to be exposure because they're, they're good and they've been good for a long time. So there's more exposure. They're going to be playing against good teams still. So like, 
for that you know for that aspect i don't i don't think there's going to be much of a change but maybe in some of the other lower sports maybe i don't know soccer or you know something something like other sports that you you might not actually soccer men's soccer team's been really good let's say women's soccer because i don't think they've been at the top tier maybe that affects your recruiting a bit because no, your family's no longer going to be able to see you so maybe you'd be more inclined to go to a mountain west school instead because you want your family to be able to come to to your games yeah so i think money and exposure trump all of that most likely yes yeah. i i agree but i do think that there's for maybe more fringe players that's going to be something that the, the people who are going to build out your roster maybe changes a little bit so moving forward with the remaining four teams in the pac 12 what do you guys think the future holds for those four well it's a great question tan i i'll start with with one thing um i think that cal and stanford are going to land somewhere uh, mostly because stanford has way too much money to not end up in a conference they have the largest endowment in or one of the largest endowments it's gotta be close in in the entire country when, when it comes to uh, like a, yeah, they have like a money. 20 billion dollar yeah as you say it's maybe them and harvard you know yeah. some of the Ivy League schools, but as far as teams that actually play sports, exactly, they, yeah, they have one of the largest endowments and um, and money and cachet. You know, at the end of the day, so maybe they go independent or something. But I would I would assume that they're going to end up somewhere, and if they end up somewhere, they'll probably take Cal also. I would I would imagine whoever it ends up being one of the power conferences. Um, I think the ACC is talking to them right now, so I don't I don't know for sure where they're going to end up. I and then when it comes to WSU and Oregon State, I mean I would think that your landing spot right now is probably the Mountain West. Yeah, and which is kind of a sad reality, I'm sure for Cougar fans. I I know if I know if I were a Cougar fan, I'd be pretty upset by that by that, but. I think, I think, like, personally, I think that that's a, not the worst-case scenario. We were, you and I were kind of talking about this the other day, Luke, that it's like, who's had, who's been more popular over the last, over the last decade? Cause, because people love an underdog story, and it's it, uh, Washington State or Boise State. And Boise State's the answer, because they're the underdog. They've been in the smaller conference, and people, you know, people want to see want to see them succeed and when they're doing well they they move up the rankings pretty quickly they have an easy enough schedule because they're a good football program and so they go undefeated or they go close to undefeated they still get good bowl games they still get notoriety and i would think that WSU is probably already kind of fighting for the same type of players and probably a similar caliber of program so you go to you go to somewhere like the Mountain West and and you never know maybe you maybe you catch some fire because i think at least for now in the near future um the there's going to be there's going to be a place for the mid-majors to get into the into the college football playoff i think there for now at least there's going to be some kind of at large situation and so maybe that's how you get in cincinnati did it a couple of years ago 
or I guess Cincinnati is in a in a power conference, but like, and SMU's been in there. East or uh, was it East Carolina was there like ten years ago, um, like kind of moving up the boards. And Coastal Carolina a few years ago made it to a BCS game. So like, I think there's still a place for for the mid major because just because people still love an underdog story. And so if you're WSU, go take that on and embrace it and. And obviously you're going to be making a lot less money, and that sucks. But doesn't mean that you can't still have a good program. And like Pullman's a pretty rocking place. You still have and and I think the good thing for Pullman in particular for WCU in particular is that they still have a big market because it's Seattle, and most of their graduates are are in Seattle. And so TV market wise, they still get a lot of pull. And I think I saw a thing the other day that they one of the WSU games was one of the top five viewed games in the Pac-12 last year. And so they still get, they still get a lot of, you know, a lot of media cover, I guess, uh, market coverage when it comes to TV stuff. So embrace that maybe, and maybe go be, go be the darlings of, of the mid-major schools. I don't know. So I agree with basically everything you just said. I think my only counter to that is is that I think that's a really good avenue for schools like Wazoo and Oregon State for basically the next like three to five years. Yeah. The problem is is that I feel like as we've kind of built up to this entire time is that that will only play for that window. And then the entire, the entire landscape of college football will change, and they're probably going to be left in the rearview mirror. Probably, that's why I said the next five years or so. Yeah, so is go embrace like, that for now because I, I think that, I mean, we kind of we kind of touched on it earlier, but college football is going to be, in my opinion, in five to ten years, it's going to be a Fox League and an ESPN League. And you're going to have all the major markets, or major markets, or the or the biggest programs, basically. And you're going to have sixty schools that rule it all, you know. Yeah, and Wazoo's probably left out of that. Absolutely. Obviously. Yeah. And so it's unfortunate for them, but it seems like yeah, it seems like a good opportunity in the short term. That's like find yourself more in this. Mountain West type conference where you should be dominant and be this Boise State type of team. Because as much as I love to shit on the Cougars because, you know, they're a little brother. But they are a good program. They are a good team. If they find themselves in the Mountain West, they can capture that darling kind of. Media people, love, people love an underdog. Exactly. And so they can do that in the Mountain West. The problem is, is that that doesn't really have much staying power because in my mind, in five years from now, the entire the entire organization of college football is going to change and then they will be the have-nots. And as we like it, the Huskies will be the haves. So, <laughs> yeah. Fight for Washington State!
win the victory. Win the day for crimson and gray. Best in the West, we know you'll all do your best. So on, 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 fight till the end. Honor and glory you must win. So fight, fight, fight for Washington State and big victory. So I guess that leads me into my final question for you guys. What is the future for the Apple Cup? I think that's a, a big question on a lot of people's minds in Washington State currently. Yeah, I think, I honestly think that the Apple Cup is really on life support for a lot of the reasons we've kind of just built up to, is that I think in the short term, they will, they should, but definitely will, or sorry, not definitely, but it definitely should, but will hopefully make it a thing. But at the same time, it, it just doesn't have, I don't see, per, per our whole conversation here, I don't see the longevity in it. That when it becomes much like Nigel just said a second ago, that it's Fox versus ESPN, the haves versus the have-nots, that it's going to be hard to schedule a game like that. I mean, I don't think I don't know that there's much truth to it, but I, like I even saw it floating out the other day that it's like Big Ten's going to go to a ten-game conference schedule. Yeah, which honestly is how it should be. Like when yeah. you get to this point where it's really when there's going to be twenty teams in each league, you're going to have to have. <laughs> yeah, the you, Big Ten has twenty. And, yeah, you and have to play. You have to play all of the, all of the yeah. people yeah. that non-conference games, and it's unfortunate for the Apple Cup because I don't think it falls in the same camp. But when you look at like the SEC, where they play Chattanooga State week ten in the season, is like those are the type of games that need to get eliminated. Yeah. Now, unfortunately, games like the Apple Cup will be the casualty of this. Yeah. Is because they'll find a way as they should in some regards to eliminate these types of games. So I would like to think that there's still a way that they can work it in much like Georgia still plays Georgia tech every year, you know? Yeah. yeah but, but that's going to be another one. That's a casualty because Georgia tech is going to be a has not yeah. <laughs> and, and Georgia will be a has. And so eventually I, I agree all those I think most of those games are going to fall by the wayside in the next five to ten years and I mean ultimately that's why you made the change as it is because they see the writing on the walls I think everyone sees the writing on the walls that it's going to be it's going to be two major conferences and and that's it and so I just don't know that I don't know that for one, I don't think that game that game's gonna be possible because it's all conference games. I also just don't know for the Huskies in the future that it's it would be worth it to schedule them. I guess we'll see how the landscape falls. Damn. But it's like it, it's one of those it's one of those like you can't you can't win games, you know? Where it's like you play them and if you lost if you lost, it kills you. If you win, it means nothing. And so, I, I, I'm saying, I guess I'm saying that about the Apple Cup, but I, I think that that's going to be 
the entire makeup of college football is that it's like you can't have those games because it just isn't part of the scenario anymore like because it means nothing yeah it means nothing to the to the situation you know every every game you play needs to be directed towards yeah and and there's a reason why the big 10 took uw and oregon right and it's because ask any husky fan like obviously wsu is your rival your in-state rival little brother but your real rival over the last 20 years or so has been Oregon. That's your rival. That's who you actually have hate and vitriol for is Oregon. And so Big Ten took both those schools and that is your built-in rival. And rivalry week is playing Oregon every year. And so as much as I love WSU and I love to hate on WSU and you know in jest and it's fun and like we have a ton of friends that have gone there and we've been to the apple cups and been to pullman and i love going to pullman it's a great time like for the apple cup but i just don't i just don't think that it's gonna be i just don't think it's gonna be a thing in 10 years from now unfortunately which is sad but i just think it's the reality of all of college football i don't think there's going to be those built-in state rivalries necessarily unless unless you're at a school that has that cachet yeah i mean it's the same thing we said at the start is that college football used to be about tradition and it was regionalized and that is what people loved about the game but that's just not the current market for college football is that no, nobody outside of Husky fans and Cougar fans care about the Apple Cup. Yeah. So, unfortunately, it's just not really relevant. Yeah. I want to see the Huskies play the Cougars yeah. every year. But Fox doesn't. <laughs> and that's gonna be and that's gonna be the problem, is that Fox doesn't care about that rivalry, and that's who is daddy now. And so I think that's that's gonna be that's business daddy. Yeah. And, and so and, and even furthermore is it like kind of like we said the whole time is that the new model that is on the horizon, which is basically the NFL, is like it's not like the Seahawks play uh, there is no I guess unfortunately there is no real equivalent, but it's not it's not like the Seahawks play an exhibition game against Yeah. Seattle Tech AM University Waverly Baby Home. Like they don't yeah. do that because you only have enough games to play against the teams that decide where you are in the playoffs. Yeah. So you need to play your ilk basically yeah. the entire time. Like there is no space for these kind of one off fun games anymore. Like that is the sad reality. Yeah. Because we all love these one-off games and you know I, I see a lot of I see a lot of hate from Cougar fans and that that would be my next question I guess like kind of rolling into it is that I see a lot of hate from Cougar fans basically being like the Huskies, Huskies stabbed us in the back yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. they they did this and I guess uh, we can we can kind of go back and forth on this but my initial reaction to all of that in my mind is like if cougar fans feel that way that 
the Huskies stabbed him in the back is that I guess I don't know maybe maybe you can listen to this podcast and get an idea about it is it like this wasn't something that happened overnight yeah I think it's if you have that feeling it's just short-sighted and you don't understand the grander scope of things that it's coming <laughs> you know the the day that the Apple Cup ended or ends is coming whether it's in two years whether it's in 10 years it's coming and it was always coming once once the major networks stepped in to college football and so you if you're a fan if you're a fan of college football and a fan of your team you want to see your team be on on the side that they're still playing in the major in the in the major game and so I can understand you're upset. That's fine. I'd be upset too. But I think everyone's going to take a step back eventually and you're going to see that this was always coming. The teams that are there's teams in the Big 10, there's teams in the SEC right now that are not going to be in those conferences in 10 years. They're all, they're going to be taken out too. And it's it's all coming down the line. It's just not right now. And so, if you're looking at it from the from the scope of like this this sucks right now and this is horrible well you're not looking at the bigger picture and it's that it's gonna happen eventually and we just made the steps faster than i thought it was gonna happen honestly i i would have if you would have told asked me this i thought we're gonna get you would have asked me this three weeks if you would have asked me this three weeks ago i would have said i think the pac-12 is gonna live for another 10 years roughly you know but it's all but this is eventually coming I thought we were going to live out one more TV deal, probably. You know, another 10 years. But things moved quicker. And so here we are. And, you know, I think it's I think it's uh, exciting for college football. I think it's going to be... I think the teams that are, that are at the top are going to be... It's only going to make the competition stronger because you're going to have... Less, less of a spread of, of the talent, and so it's going to create more parity in the big leagues, and you're still going to have good football in small. Like there's still going to be smaller football, like there is now, and there's going to be smaller conferences, and that's still f- good football and fun football, and like you can still root for it, and like it's like minor league baseball, like you, especially if there's yeah, automatic bids. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's still gonna it's still gonna be around. And so I think there's like still something to cheer for and like be excited about if you're a cougar. It's just, I mean, you just have to swallow the reality that you're you were never gonna be in the big show. And sorry, I'm sorry to say that, but it just is the reality. And so I, sorry, cougar fans, we love you, but uh, fuck, off. but but. You're in the rearview rear view mirror now, and like we're gonna move forward. I think, I think there's something. I think there's, there's one, there's one thing that I, I want to go on a little bit of a tangent on about the Cougar fans that I've seen that are upset about all this. And I'm gonna rope. I'm gonna rope in something. Uh, have you guys ever seen Run Ricky Run, the Thirty for Thirty on Ricky Williams? Yes. It's pretty old. It's like one of the, one at of least the in my in my mind, one of the first thirty for thirties. 
but I'm going to reference this and how I see these Cougar fans that are upset about it is that if you haven't seen the 30 for 30 on Ricky Williams, it's really good. You should watch it because it, I think the kind of broad take on Ricky is that like he stopped playing football because he wanted to smoke weed, right? And that's not really what it is, okay? I'm not going to go into that more than that, but basically they have a point in, in this documentary where they ask him, and I think it's really revealing, where he had a, he had a bad dad, right, that went in and out of jail. When he wasn't in jail, he'd come home and he was very violent and abusive and a horrible person, right? And so they ask him, basically, at some point, like, do you blame your dad for, like, basically the trauma that you have in your life now that has, like, led you down this path? And he basically says, I'm kind of paraphrasing, this is like, no, I don't, because if I blame my dad for these problems that I had, then I'm giving him that power, and he is the one that needs to fix it for me, and I'm not going to do that. Like, I, he was a bad person, he had a negative impact on my life, I will be the person that fixes the issues that I have, and I've done that through going to Buddhist temples and, like, meditating and finding inner peace, like, stuff like that. Watch the documentary. He'll talk more about it. But I think, in my mind, like, that's the first thing that I honestly think about when I think about, like, Cougar fans kind of bitching about this. Is it, like, Huskies did this to us. It's like, I don't think you understand that it's, like, if your perception of how this went is that we were the ones that were going to control how your program was run then you're not running yourself properly like you need to find a way to do this and honestly that's how i think the huskies and oregon and every other university felt in a large capacity when usc and ucla left so like i get that that it's like USC, you are killing the Pac-12. You did this to us. It's like, you aren't, as a university, like, you're not accepting that, like, it's not your fault, but you need to be the source of change to figure this out. You can't be like, oh, USC broke it. And it's like, okay, well, then USC has to fix it for you. And they're not. Is that is that the holding pattern that you want to be in? That they're the only ones that hold the key to fix the problem that you have because they're not going to do it for you and so all this is to say is that sadly is that like they said there's haves and have nots and fortunately the huskies like we've kind of said the whole time is that it's kind of probably a cocky asshole position to hold but it's like huskies are a traditional power Oregon's new power new money branding but like you're the programs that have the ability to correct the problem that you see that's in front of you. You're not attributing it to somebody else. You attribute it to somebody else. If you're a Cougar fan and you say that the Huskies ruined what you're doing for you, that only further validates in my mind that you only had value because of us. So you either need to change that and find your own value. Go do it by being in the Mountain West. Go, go be the new Boise State. Do whatever it takes. Don't try to shame a Husky fan and being like, we ruined you. Is it like, 
that only furthers what I already knew about the Husky Cougar relationship is that you're just little brother and you, the only value that you have is that we can invite you to a party. And if we don't invite you, then you're nobody. That's, that's really how, like, that's, that's really how I feel about it. Is it's like, if that's how you feel, then it, like, you're kind of just exposing yourself. Yeah. That your only value was wrapped up in what we could provide you. And if you're mad, if you're mad about the fact that we no longer are going to drag you along to the party and say, no, this is my little brother. He's cool. You can come along. Then you didn't belong to be there in the first place. Sorry about it. <laughs> uh, that is, yeah. Wow. Uh, Namaste. Yeah, we're, so Huskies are the bad daddies is what I'm hearing. So, what's up? Yeah, we always work. <laughs> yeah. uh, one, so, one last thing, kind of in wrapping this up. and Because I already said I don't think it's going to last in the long term. But, in the meantime, I have heard a couple of ideas floated for Apple Cups that I think are pretty cool that I just want to state on here. And I didn't come up with this, so I'm not going to take credit. But uh, I think it'd be pretty cool to do uh, a neutral site game to start the year, one of the first couple games of the year. Do it at, do it at the Clink slash Lumen, whatever you want, want to call it. 50-50 uh, crowd and bring the Cougs in. Yeah, obviously, all, all you Cougar fans are already in Seattle anyway. And for these last couple years, while, while we're still riding, let's let's bring it to the, the clink and ha- and just, like, duke it out and have some fun for an Apple Cup and, like, enjoy these last couple of years that we have it. Because it is a fun tradition. It's been great. And, like, September, sun shining. Like, it's still warm, warm in Seattle. Like, let's... Let's bring it. Let's keep it going, and like, and have have a fun, fun apple cup and enjoy it while it lasts, you know. And yeah, I don't we'll, think any of the comments I made would help this, but uh, I love that idea. But uh, there are going to be, a, there's going to be a lot of uh, tension and anger in any apple cup. I feel like. Oh yeah, which is great. It, it makes that makes it even better for the next couple of years. So it, we can be. We can be bad daddy, whatever, and uh, and Cougs can hate the Huskies for ruining the conference, and I'm I'm totally fine with that. Uh, but yeah, let's let's bring it on and enjoy these last couple years that we have. And um, yeah, yeah. I, de- I definitely think they I need- think the neutral side game would be super cool, and they got to get the most out of it while they can. Exactly. I don't I don't think it's a tenable situation. Five years from now. Yeah, I agree. Over five years from now. Yeah, so I agree. So let's rock these next five years. Let's make it a cool thing. Huskies uh, need an easy win. So yeah, exactly. We need we need a dub to get into the college football playoff. So uh, let's knock that off the board pretty early in the season. Have you guys come? Well, if you want, you can come to Husky Stadium every year too. We'll pay you a million bucks so your program can uh, go dominate the Mountain West. And uh, you can come out to Husky Stadium, oh, we'll give take, them the your, FCS take, yeah, take your beating, and uh, and then go on go on back to Pullman, all right? So honestly, uh, that's where the Cougars would probably thrive. They'll <laughs> they'll be able to uh, they'll be able to capitalize on that Eastern Washington treatment where they go in and beat the Cougars <laughs> at, at their own stadium. Yeah, right. They can they can flip the script and be the uh, 
be the low, the mid-major, low-major, or FCS-type school that gets paid to come into the big dog's house. And uh, who knows, maybe they come away with a win every once in a while and get paid for it. Fuck the Cougars. <laughs> well, I hope if anything came out of this episode is that the Wazoo fans and alumni find inner peace and acceptance through this episode and all of your guys' wise wisdom. Yeah, go meditate and talk to a therapist. I mean, honestly... I don't want to hear your shit. Honestly, I've heard enough <laughs> from the Cougar fans the last... my entire lifetime is that I don't want to be the one to break the bad news, but, like, it's kind of where you belong. <laughs> That's where you belong. Like, you're, you're just a mid-major squad that deserves... You will thrive in this environment. That's the thing. You will thrive... <laughs> And being the mid-major, you much like Nigel said before, you were thrust into premier, premier Pac-12 football. <laughs> so, <laughs> you were thrust into the into the spotlight. You want to be the underdog. You should be happy that you're getting put <laughs> into the place that you deserve to be at. I'm trying to place end. where you you could be king of the rats. <laughs> And that's you're the like Char- and that's the title. Like, that's the title. Of you're this like Charlie episode, Kelly, King of the Rats. If any Cougar fans have issues with anything I said, feel free. Say to, it with your chest. Feel free to message the Bring Your Lunch Bell Instagram. I won't look at it, but someone will. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See ya. See ya. See ya.